Welcome to the Skeptical Auditor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hernan Murdoch. Today on the show, we are joined by Al Garin, Managing Director of Audit Executive Advisory Services. In this episode, we talk about communicating audit results and in particular audit reports. We examine the gap between what the standards ask for and what auditors have been doing for decades. We discuss the limitations of the current approach, reasons why it takes so long to share the results of our work, and explore some fresh communication ideas that you can implement right away. All that and more, starting now. Uh, you've been in the profession for so long. Uh, you've been uh, in multiple capacities, doing different things, different organizations. And one of the things that I would like to chat with you a little bit about is a common thing that we do in the profession, which is write audit reports. Now, when we think about the standards, the standards say we need to communicate the results of the work that we do. And it specifically says that we need to make sure we make reference to the objectives, the scope, and the results of the work that we did. But the word report does not come up as such. So what do you make of the practice and what are some of the limitations of the way we have been doing this all this time? Yeah, so much to say about that. Thank you, Hernan. And, and uh, I'm a pleasure to chat with you about some of this stuff today. Uh, you know, audit reports is something that everybody dislikes working on or most people dislike because it takes up so much time and energy. Um, right. And, you know, the efforts in, in reviewing, editing, revising, re-editing, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and as you point out, the standards only call for communicating, you know, and communicating can be done many ways. You know, in the end, I don't, as much as I love to use the terminology death of the audit report, you know, it's not, it's not going away. <laughs> we still have to have some way, we still have some way of codifying what we've done. You know, but the important thing is that, um, you know, there should be no surprises and the report should just be, you know, a, a, a culmination of what we need to communicate for historical record. If we didn't issue a, a report, you know, the value of the communication we've done up to that point should theoretically suffice. Now, one of the things that I find interesting that, that seems to, in my mind, aggravate the problem is that when you think about how much as a percentage of the total project or audit budget is consumed by their reporting phase, sometimes it can be 30%, so about a third of, of the total amount, sometimes even more in my experience, or, or talking to practitioners. So it seems to me like it's really excessive. Now, what are some of the things that, that consume that much time? Is it the methodology and people just explaining what they did? What other things in your experience make that such a big problem? There are, there are, could be, a, there are a number of things, and I'll speak in generalities because obviously every internal audit function is different and right. um, but it, it, it becomes, in many internal audit functions, an inefficient process, as opposed to contemporaneously writing the report as the audit is going on, a lot of things queue up and then it's written more towards the end. Um, then it's drafted and submitted for internal review, and then it's edited and sent back, and then there's questions and 
back and forth and back and forth. And at some point in time, a lot of internal audit functions start moving away from substantive edits to stylistic edits. And mm-hmm. so it just it just bogs down, um, you know, from the experiences I've had. Hey, I've been one of the reviewers. I've gotten caught up in the way I like things written <laughs> or expressed. Yes. But there, there's 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 a good and bad to that that I'll is a caveat. You know, as an as a leader in an internal audit function, you understand the culture well. You understand mm-hmm. how the audience might receive the words. And so you will edit for style, um, sometimes to aid in um, communication. Um, or the, the, you know, but in the end, it is about communicating. And you haven't mm-hmm. communicated because you put words on paper or electronically in a report. You, you've just documented something. You haven't communicated. Communication requires sender and receiver and all that stuff we know. And if the, the receiver isn't getting the communication and doing something with what's been communicated, then it's rather inefficient and rather ineffective. So, so in a way, the purpose of the audit report is not just to inform, which is uh, if you were to think of it as a one-way communication or one-way documentation, but rather the, the, the dynamic that we're pursuing here from your words is basically a two-way dynamic, not only to communicate what happened and what the results are, but also for them to understand and re- react to it. I would think that also implies taking action, doing something to correct the things that we're suggesting need to be fixed. Is that correct? Absolutely. You know, the, re- the, the report, if the report doesn't aid in um, uh, a spurring action, resulting in action to do something with what's been reported, then it's just a, it's a historical record. It hasn't accomplished much other than something to go back to to prove what we did and what we said, you know. And so in the end, it is about you know making a difference and affecting change where change needs to be done. The problem with audit reports, a lot of times, I think Hernan, is that we get caught up in wanting to tell the world what we did and how we did it. And we're communicating from the perspective of what we wanna tell the world as opposed to what the world needs to actually hear. Mm -hmm. And what it needs to hear is actually probably some much smaller subset of what we a lot of times put in reports. One of the things that you mentioned, uh, and I'll come back to that, to your last point in a moment as well, but you were talking about the stylistic dynamic around the reporting phase, and you mentioned the reader and the importance of making sure that we are conveying things in the proper tone and that they're going to understand what we're what we're communicating, but part of that also is, is the policies of the organization. In some organizations, there's certain protocol we need to make sure that we're going to address the situation appropriately, uh, escalate it appropriately, and the, the language we're going to use is going to be appropriate and commensurate with the situation we're describing. So from that perspective, then, that stylistic element is a very important piece that we need to keep in mind. 
also reflecting the, the call for action that you're highlighting. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that political dimension? Because I think in some cases that explains why some auditors end up in multiple iterations, right? As you were describing the back and forth with the editing process, I was thinking about version 12, version 13, 14, 15, and then of course you come back full circle and, if, and the last version looks like the first or the second. So uh, I've been in those situations. So I'm very curious about well, your take when it comes to that stylistic dimension that sometimes consumes so much of our time? Well, it's hard to set. You, you, we've all been in those situations where we feel like, you know, if we just stayed with the first or second version, we would have been fine instead of all the other iterations <laughs> after that. But there's two elements of style associated with it. One is what style is going to work best within the organization's norms, cultures, protocols, and all that. And that's that there's, there's a value in making stylistic edits to enhance a report. But there mm -hmm. is an, the other flavor is, you know, personal preference, you know, and th those stylistic edits can get very frustrating for people. The problem is that as um, a reviewer, of an audit report. So you're a, you're a manager, you're a director, you're the CAE, you're reviewing other people's report drafts. It's hard for you as an individual to be objective um, as to, am I really making stylistic edits that are going to enhance the quality of the communication to fit the culture? Or am I making stylistic edits because it's just personal preference? You know, the, the, and, the and, and interesting dynamic, uh, the other thing I'll just say real quick is the interesting yes, yes. dynamic, interesting dynamic is sometime in our internal audit careers, when we end up being in leadership roles, we all of a sudden think we've become professional writers and editors when we may not have actually gotten that training. You know, Correct. we've just learned a lot over the course of our experience that might make us better at editing and reviewing and revising and issuing audit reports. But we're not professional writers. We're not professional editors. And so we sometimes act like we are. That's a very important point. And sometimes we also get caught in this dynamic where we want to feel like we are adding to it. We're making a contribution. Therefore, we're going to add something to this. And in some cases, it might be just a preference, like you stated, rather than a substantive enough uh, modification to the report that is really going to help the reader better appreciate what we're communicating. Uh, you know, this is a very important topic, and we definitely want to dig further into it. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come right back and explore this topic further. This episode is brought to you by ACI Learning. Are you looking for CPE credits, professional development, to continue your education, or a custom team training solution? Here at ACI Learning, we've been building high-quality training for over 40 years, meeting the needs of every learner. Our training solutions will keep you and your team engaged and motivated to learn, helping students stay sharp in their field and better serve the organization. Join thousands of global audit risk and compliance professionals. Visit acilearning.com to find out how we're disrupting the audit learning space. We're talking with Al Garin about audit reporting and both the process 
end product and how we can go about improving uh, the process of communicating with our clients. So Al, as we're thinking about these two dynamics, the process to get that product and then the product itself, what are some suggestions to help improve both? Uh, lots of thoughts there. A couple of things. One is, one is always begin with the end in mind. You know, mm -hmm. what, 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 who is, who is our audience and what do we actually need to tell them in a written format um, and always be driving towards the end. Sometimes we just kind of build and build and build and build. And then we've got this monstrosity that we're trying to revise and edit and cut down and all that. So from a process standpoint, always begin with the end in mind. I think secondly is as opposed to what I used to do earlier in my audit leadership um, stints was bring out the pen and start actually doing the edits. Mm -hmm. You do some of that early on as examples of what, but spend more time doing two different things. One is not just what, but why. Uh -huh. uh, making these edits on the report because, yes, that takes a lot more time than just make the changes or here's the changes, just accept them. But over time, you want people to learn from the edits you're making and they won't learn if they don't know why. Good and then secondly is it, as much as you can, just say, Here's where I think we can make some enhancements to the report and speak more generally than prescriptively. My point with the last two things is it, you know, the more it takes more time on the front end, but over time, the your people will learn. I felt when I was on the receiving end of edits, I got lazier and lazier. Because, well, whatever I, whatever I send in, you're going to edit anyway, you know, uh, so I got yes. lazier. And so I didn't learn other than I learned to be lazy. You know, it's interesting that you raise that because I've heard variations of that and I've experienced some of that myself. But part of it is almost like uh, you kind of give up, right? You say, okay, why should I invest any more time, especially if you're on the clock and, and basically say, okay, the manager is going to make some changes. So let the manager do that and then I'll react to it. And, and what you're doing is is delegating up and, and, and submitting subpar uh, product and, and one of the things that I remember having a conversation with a manager and their response was, well, one of the ways to help people not do that, and, and I like your, your your approach as well. But the, the suggestion was, ask the person if I were to not look at this report and send it as it is, will you be proud of your work? And and sometimes that puts them back in, in reality mode. But uh, but I like what you're suggesting here as well. Now let's talk yeah. about the product itself in terms of the length of it. And you made mention of that in terms of sometimes we have these, these very lengthy reports. Our world is is moving to, in a direction of simplicity and, and more concise, right? So we're, we're looking at shorter reports and some people are writing memos and things like that. Of course, we always had the executive summary. So what's your take about that particular aspect of the report in terms of how long they are in certain highly regulated industries in certain government um, internal audit functions there are going to be expectations around the audit report that you can't get away from 
Mm-hmm. So there might be certain things you have to document or certain things you don't document because of sunshine laws and stuff like that, you know. So yeah. there's going to be some aspects that I'm with what I'm going to say next, I'm going to set aside in those circumstances where there's an external influence driving what you would put in an audit report. But in the end, we have to be realistic that more and more people are going to be reviewing the results of our work in what we would call a report, air quotes, Mm -hmm. here on one of these devices, (laughs) right? On a cell phone, phone. on an iPad. And so take two things, one, actually three things, not all the time, but the audience for our written work may be, older audit committees, C-suite individuals than the people who are actually writing the reports in your audit staff. And so one eyesight might not be one where it may be as good um, to be able to review things on electronic media, but that's where they're going to see it. Secondly is you know, the world has driven us to digesting things in sound bites. You know, other than novels, there's very few things I read from the front, the very first word to the very last word and every word in between. We skim, we scan. We, we, yes. we, we look for, is there the nugget here? And I want to move on because we've been trained to deal in skimming, scanning, and sound bites. Right. Is a 10, 20, 30 page audit report coming across on a cell phone conducive to what our audience needs? You know, and it's highly likely not. What we want the report to be read and we want the report to result in action. So you're suggesting to some extent that perhaps in addition to the report, having a really well-written and concise summary of what this thing is all about, if you're going to uh, make it so that someone can get the general idea and, and, and get that call to action while looking at, for example, a cell phone, then perhaps having that paragraph that goes with the communication important as well? Either in addition to the report or arguably almost in replacement of the report. You know, uh-huh. there's no reason why with what if it works in an organization and in the culture of the organization and there aren't external influences that expect something more substantive. There's no reason why the report just can't be, here's the summary and here's what management committed to next, 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 you know, move on. You know, we don't necessarily have to say, here's what we did. Here's how we concluded based on what we concluded. Here's what we, here's how we got to what we got to here, you know, build, 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 build until we get to the point, which Mm -hmm. a lot of our reports do, you know, and so, you know, you have to do what works within your organization. Um, But, you know, being able to see things on electronic devices, brevity, and understanding our audience and how they read and digest information 
will serve us well as a profession going forward. Al, here's a, a somewhat radical idea. I'm curious about your take on it. So since our world has become so much driven by video and, and audio to a large extent as well, uh, instead of the text product, which is what we have been writing for decades, what do you think about audio reports being uh, recorded? report where we video record, uh, we provide a video of the report, uh, and we basically talk to what the results are. What do you think about something like that? I think, I think, it, I think it's a great idea. I think it depends on what the organization is willing to accept, because we think it's a great right. idea. They may not. But you, <laughs> also right, don't yes. want, you also don't want a situation where they're clamoring for it and you say no. You know, right. so you might want to push the envelope a bit. You might want to do a, a prototype or a test with a willing client and see how that's going to go. Um, you know, but by all means, the, but just as much as I don't want to get a 20 page audit report, as an example, I don't want to get a 30 minute video either. You know, that's uh, right. you know, you know, because I'm just going to go, OK, well, can you, what's the highlights? Hit the summary for me, you know, let's get to the and, good part. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and, and 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 we don't want to create, you know, some high production movie quality thing that we're spending more time than we did if we were just issuing, a, a, you know, the old report. Yeah. So there's balance. So field field testing the idea, I suppose, and and maybe running it in parallel, like we always suggest with IT systems, that uh, we have the the written format and then we have the video and show them both. But once again, making sure that it's not too long. Thank you very much for helping us better appreciate the dynamics around reporting and what the the, the product should look like. I mean, in many cases, this is really what our clients are, are getting from us. They're not privy to all the things we do and we don't need to put that in the report, really. So how can we go about communicating more effectively? Remembering that it's a two-way road, we write for the reader, and we want to make it a call for action. Thank you very much, Al. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Skeptical Otter podcast, and a big thank you to our guest, Al Garin. If you're looking for more ways to stay ahead of the curve and earn CPEs, check out Audit Pro TV On Demand. Subscription learning for auditors by auditors. Visit acilearning.com slash auditprotv.